Well, good morning. This week on The Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon served me up a softball for a sermon illustration. It's just, it's perfect for the series and all that. In fact, this is better than Jimmy giving me a softball. This is like him taking a volleyball and painting a target on it, setting it on one of those little tees for t-ball and saying, you get 10 swings. Let's see if you can hit it. I mean, this, this is perfect for what, what we're talking about. Um, here's what he said. He, he was referencing the uh, Son of God movie that's coming out here soon, the one that Mark Burnett is putting together with his, his wife and, and their team. And he made passing reference to some criticism that the, the movie is coming under, and I'm assuming that it's from the Christian community, uh, which is ironic here. But, but the, the criticism is this. Criticism is the actor that you picked for to play Jesus is too good-looking. That's the criticism. Are you kidding me? I, I've seen several interviews with Mark Burnett. And the point of the movie is not to ensure that that cryptic reference in Isaiah 53.3 was cast correctly. That is not the, the point. The kindness in his voice with a sparkle in his eye Burnett unapologetically says, here's what I'm trying to do. My wife and I, we've become the noisiest Christians in Hollywood, he says. And he means that in all the right ways. All he's trying to do is to take the story of Jesus and try to get it out there so more people can hear about who Jesus was and who Jesus is and what can happen if you put your faith in him. That's his purpose for this movie, you know? If you are going to judge something, judge it on the merits that the standard that that, that person is is using. Better yet, if you've got time to blog or tweet or post about something, how about blogging or tweeting or posting about something that you judge is going well? Something that, that, that is good. You know, if you've got time to blog or tweet or post... Why not blog or tweet or post about Emmanuel Children's Home? They, we got a, a newsletter from them, their electronic email that goes out once a month. And they shared this little story about a kid named Brian. If you read it, you, you, you read the, the thing. Here's this kid in Juarez growing up. He doesn't have enough to eat, so the poor kid's hungry. He, he doesn't have a heater in their home. And this time of year, I've been in, in Juarez when it's January. It's cold. And they didn't have a heater. And, and for the family of seven, they had one bed. And so now, Brian at the home, they asked, what do you like about the home? I bet there's no surprises here. What do you like about the home? We have food. And, and it's warm. And I have a bed of my own. Isn't there something right about that? Something just right? So if you're going to judge something, how about once in a while, judging something right? Well, today we're wrapping up a four-part teaching series on, called Sound Judgment. Sound judgment. Everyone agrees. Everyone agrees that some things merit judgment. In fact, you can't disagree with the statement, we all judge without passing judgment. We, we all judge. We all do it. Some things merit it. Some things call for judgment. And if you've ever been on the receiving end, when judges attack, self-appointed judges attack. If you've ever been on the receiving end when you've been judged poorly, you know, then you know why this matters. You know what it feels like, the frustration of, you don't even know. What are you doing judging me? 
or the pain it can cause or the shame if you grow up with that. You know, something's called for judgment. How, how do we judge well? If we're compelled to speak into the others, lives of others, how do we do that well? That's what the series has been about so far. Here's the ground we covered. One of the things that we see in the Bible, the Bible asks us to do a lot of things, you know, before we go and judge other people. And so here's some of the things we've looked at for the last three weeks. The Bible calls for a measured response. So here are some questions that the Bible asks us to ask. Are you using the right standard? Do you have any personal issues you should work through first? Do you have enough information? Have you earned the right to be heard? Or is there so much urgency that you've got to say it right now? Has authority been delegated to you? These are kind of the types of questions that the Bible asks us to ask before we form a conclusion. And the thought hit me today, blinding flash to the obvious. Well, if you do all those things, you're not going to have many negative things to say very often. To which someone in the first service said, bingo. You know. But here's, here's the thing. Today's teaching, what we're going to do, we're going to build on all the previous weeks. And let's say you do this. Let's say you go through all of these filters. You go through all of them. And as best you can discern it, the answer to all five of these questions is, I think so. I've tried my best to use the right standards. I've tried my best to examine my own life first. I've tried my best to gather sufficient information. I've tried my best to earn the right to be heard. And I feel like I've got a compelling thing to say. Now what? Well, here's, here's what I want to encourage you on the now what. One more now what before you speak. And it is one of the most important teachings I've heard in the last five years. Here's the basic principle, and then we'll unpack it. Basic principle is this. Different people exhibiting different behavior merit different responses. So true. It is very, very possible. You could go through all the steps that we've talked about <clears throat> from the last three weeks. You could use the right measurements. Your conscience could be as clear as it can be in a fallen world. What you have to say could be important. It could be life-giving. And yet, the best course of action, depending on the person, might be to say nothing or to say it through a lawyer. That might be the most appropriate type of action, response. It, it depends on the type of person that you're interacting with. Now, I want to hit pause enough long, long enough to say this. I, I don't believe people fit neatly into boxes. We're going to talk about some generalizations here today. And I don't think anyone fits completely into any one of the boxes we're going to talk about today. I think that every one of us at different times exhibits the different three behaviors we're going to talk about. So the point is not to say, here, let's categorize people into one of these boxes. They all fit into one or the other. That's not the point. But what we need to do as people, we need to make generalizations from time to time. You can't go through life without recognizing patterns and, and making some conclusions. Let's say you're in Germany and you can't read German. And you're in your car and your car is almost out of gas. And up ahead, you see a building. And that building looks a whole lot like the gas stations in the United States. But you see more than that. You see cars pulling up. They're filling some sort of liquid into their tank. Now, you could be thinking, I don't want to judge. How do I know? This could be something. This could be, it's Germany. They could have built-in kegs in their vehicles. And that could be beer that they're pumping in. And this is a beer station. How do I know unless I've personally experienced it? Well, you know, there's sometimes where, not more than sometimes, wise people look for patterns. Wise people, 
you know, we know there's exceptions, but wise people, we look for generalizations. So we're not saying every person's like one of these categories all the time. But there's some categories that are generally true, and that's what we're going to look at today. The teaching that we're presenting here, this is not unique to any one person. Almost everybody who's ever studied history, people throughout history, they come to these conclusions. They just use different language. Uh, if you want to press into this topic deeper, I want to encourage you to read Dr. Henry Cloud's book, Necessary Endings, Chapter 7. Worth the price of the book. He presses into this more deeply. Well, the language we're going to use today is the language that is used in what we call our wisdom literature in the Scripture. There's a section of the Bible called wisdom literature. There's wisdom throughout the Bible, but there's a section that we call wisdom literature or the wisdom books. All of today's teachings come from one of those wisdom books called the Book of Proverbs, Love Proverbs. And here's the language they use for the three categories of behavior that we're going to look at today. Here it is. Wise, foolish, or evil. There are at least three styles of behavior that a person can exhibit in a particular time or context. You can make a wise decision, a foolish decision, or you can act with evil intent. The behavior that you observe, here's the case I want to present to you today. The behavior that you observe, wise behavior, foolish behavior, or evil behavior, should weigh heavily into how you respond. Should weigh heavily. If you're going to open your mouth, this, these, are, these are things you want to examine ahead of time. Speaking into the life of a wise person, oh, it's like making an investment that has the potential to pay back big dividends. If you try to speak into the life of a person who's behaving foolishly, the same way you speak into the life of a wise person, you're probably going to end up wasting your time. And if you try to speak into the life of a person who has evil intent, you are almost guaranteed that what you say will be used against you. Even if you want to help them. Even if what you're saying is true. Even if you have their best interests in mind, if you say something to a person who has evil intent, it will be used against you. The Bible's teaching on this topic, it is as clear as clear gets. So let's look at what it says in a section of the Bible, again, that we call wisdom literature. This is one of the wisdom books called the book of Proverbs. This is a direct quote out of Proverbs 9.9. And here's what we're talking about again. Different people exhibiting different behavior merit different responses. If you're going to pass judgment, if you're going to speak into their life, here are three different categories of, of behavior that you want to be attentive to because your response is going to be different. What it says in Proverbs 9.9 is this. Instruct the wise and they will be what? Wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Now, Again, let's spend a little bit of time on definitions just to be clear. You don't have to be the smartest or most gifted or most talented person in the room to be wise. Wisdom can coexist with any of those traits, but wisdom is also independent of them. You can be a brilliant and skilled and charming fool. Wisdom is about how you approach reality. That's what wisdom comes down to. How you approach reality. Do you adjust to reality or do you expect reality to adjust to you? Here's how Dr. Cloud puts it. The mature person meets the demands of life, while the immature person demands that life meet her demands. Wise people assume full responsibility for their actions and attitudes. So, wise people listen. Wise people welcome feedback. Wise people gather information, and then they weigh it 
carefully. Wise people don't let problems become patterns. Here's a sign of wisdom. If you bring a well-intended criticism to a wise person, and you do it with wisdom and respect, they'll thank you for doing it. That's what wise people do. Now, if you come in an attacking mode, if you're cons consistently coming with inappropriate expectations, wise person's going to distance himself from you. They're going to do that. But if you have their best interest in mind, you're, you're coming with respect, you're coming with tact, a wise person is going to say thank you. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Here's another way to know if you're dealing with a wise person. Because wise people understand that the world doesn't revolve around them, wise people actually care if their actions are affecting other people in a negative way. So if you come to a wise person and you say, hey, do you realize how this is affecting other people? A wise person takes that under advisement. Now, let's contrast a wise behavior with foolish behavior. Again, this is from the Bible's wisdom literature. Direct quote, this time from Proverbs 18.2. A fool, let's talk about the fool. Foolish behavior. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, only in expressing what? His opinion. How do you know a fool? They don't really want to understand. If it seems right to them, that's good enough. And they'll express their opinion. Now, it isn't always easy to identify someone who's behaving foolishly. Because a fool, and I think we've all seen this, the fool can be the most intellectually gifted, the most highly skilled, the most charming person in the room. They can be. But then what is foolishness? What makes a person a fool? Again, it comes down, what do they do with reality? As the scripture says, do they want real understanding or do they form opinions based on ideas that seem right to them? Here's how Cloud says it. He says, the fool tries to adjust the truth so that they don't have to adjust to it. Fools want reality to change for them. Here's some more questions to ask. If you're behaving foolishly, perhaps, or, or you think someone might be behaving foolishly, here's some questions. Do they talk as though the world should revolve around them? Are they quick to blame someone or something else? Are they quick to position themselves as a victim? Do they seek out people who will challenge them or enable them? And are they aware and concerned about the pain or frustration that they could be causing in the lives of others? Once again, what wise people do, they adjust to reality, but a fool wants reality to change for them. And this is why you want to deal differently if you think someone's behaving foolishly. Because just talking about the problem isn't going to work. It's not going to work. Because if it doesn't seem right to them, they're not going to make the changes. And it's also foolish to entrust a foolish person with more resources. Because there will always be an excuse as to why they didn't get the correct results with that. Here's some more things about what the scripture says. Wise insights regarding foolish behavior. The way of a fool is right in their own eyes. The wise person listens to advice. Fools actually despise wisdom and instruction. The folly of fools is deceiving. You know, most fools, they don't have evil intent. If you have evil intent, that actually puts you more into that other category. It's just that their, their logic is often deceiving. Their truth is deceiving. And here's a big one. This is, we're going to build on this one. Proverbs 17.10 says, A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. It's going to take you a lot of life experience to learn this one, but this is a true, isn't it? If you have a wise person, all it takes sometimes is one wise word spoken to them. They reflect on it, and they say, Wow, here's how I need to walk that out. Fools, it's about consequences. 
And sometimes it's a hundred times, a thousand times before they finally realize, I've got to change. Because so many foolish people are so bright, they're so highly skilled, they're so charming or endearing. When we have a concern about their choices or their behaviors or their job performance, we're tempted to think, oh, just one more conversation. If I just talk to him one more time, this time it'll be different. But here's the, here's the problem. If there's a pattern, if there's a pattern of excuse making, if there's a pattern of defensiveness, if you find yourself having the same conversation over and over and over again, now you have to shift. You no longer talk about the problem. If you're going to have a conversation, you have to now talk about the consequences. It's an important shift. Because someone who's behaving foolishly, they need to feel the consequences. You could say, hey, you need to change. They may not feel like they need to change because the people around them are the ones feeling the consequences. When you're behaving foolishly, there's always consequences. The, the deal is, who's picking up those pieces? Who's bailing them out? Who's cleaning up their messes? Who's putting out the fires? Doing the extra lifting? Cleaning up the messes. Is it their friends? Is it their roommates? Is it their family? Is it their customers? Is it their coworkers? Is it their boss? You know? It's about consequences. We need to not enable. We need to help them feel the weight. Now, unfortunately, when it comes to people, it's just really that simple. And some of us, we need a lot of consequences. But if someone's behaving foolishly, at least there's hope when there's consequences. There's almost no hope in just another conversation. At least there's hope if someone begins to feel the weight of their decisions. Wish you had more time to go down this path, but we're already going to be pushing the time limits here. So let's talk about this evil category. Here's what the scriptures say about this, at least in part. Proverbs 9.8 says, don't rebuke a mocker or they will what? They'll hate you. Don't rebuke the haters or they'll just hate you more. Rebuke the wise, they'll love you, but if you rebuke the mockers, they will hate you. Here's how there's a paraphrase of the Bible called the message. Here's how they render this same passage. Say this. I love this wording. If you reason with an arrogant cynic, you get slapped in the face. Confront bad behavior, you get a kick in the shins. Don't waste your time with a scoffer. You know, every once in a while you'll see something online, you'll see some post that's just ridiculously dumb. What happens if someone speaks any kind of truth into that person? This happens, doesn't it? Attack. You know? You know, all you're gonna do if you do that is pain. For all your pains, it's abuse. But again, if you correct someone who cares about life, that's different. They'll love you for it. Save your breath for the wise, the scripture says. They'll be wiser for it. Tell good people what you know. They'll profit for it. All right, here's how evil people view the world. They view it like that. If you want to look in the back, the bobs are back. That's how evil people view the world. They view it as us versus them. Those are actual jerseys, thanks to the We Mets uh, for the loan there. These, these are actual jerseys from the movie Miracle. They were used in the movie Miracle, uh, the, the, a movie that, that talked about the greatest you know, underdog story of all time uh, in sports with the, uh, the U.S. team, amateur team going up against the uh, Russian nationals in the 1980 Olympics. And a lot of people view life like that. It's us versus them. That's how an evil person sees it. It's us versus them, or it's me versus everybody else because they want what they want. They want what they want. There are some people who view life through this lens. They have their agendas, 
If you get in the way of their agenda, you're now an enemy. If you give them an inch, you'll be a speed bump on their next mile. And I wish I didn't have to talk like this. You know, I, I wish I hadn't. I, I wish this wasn't the case, but it's true, isn't it? There's some people, you give them an inch, you'll be the speed bump on their next mile. The Bible is very realistic when it comes to people who have evil intent. Here's some wise insights regarding haters, right from Proverbs. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. The mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Proverbs 12, 20. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. Proverbs 21, 10. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds what? Say it with me. No mercy in his eyes. If someone considers you an enemy and you feel compelled, I've got something I need to say to them, say it through a lawyer. Here's how, um, here's how Cloud summarizes this. He says, okay, there's three different categories. If you see these behaviors, here's in general, because again, we're talking generalities here. In general, here are three responses to three different types of people. Talk to wise people. Give them resources. They're going to thank you for it. If you're dealing with someone who's exhibiting foolish behavior, stop talking to people who are behaving foolishly because they're not listening. Stop supplying resources. They will squander them. Don't enable them. Set limits and discuss consequences. And then number three, this category we're talking about now, if you're dealing with someone who has evil intent, and then he quotes a song, he says it's lawyers, guns, and money. What he says is you've got to get into protection mode at that point. If they have evil intent, get into protection mode. A foolish person doesn't want to harm you. An evil person does. They want to defeat you. They want to destroy you. They want to take something that's yours. So it's lawyers, guns, and money. The guns meaning police protection, money meaning legal contracts, other precautions that are usually expensive. So to sum it up, and again, we're just talking generalities here. I'm going to give you a couple nuances here in just a second. To sum up what we said so far, in general, if you feel compelled to say something to someone, you've done all that personal preparation that we talked about the last three weeks, and you feel, still feel like I've got something to say, talk to the wise person about the issue. Have that conversation. Talk about consequences if someone is behaving foolishly, and then talk through a lawyer if you suspect that they have evil intent. Now, on the front end of this message, I mentioned we're talking about generalities. Again, all of us, we fall into these categories at different times. And not only do people defy these neat little boxes, it's also true, it's also true that the devil would love to push you too far in the right direction. And here are two ways that uh, he might tempt you to do that. <laughs> Number one, assume that everyone who disagrees with you is a what? Fool! We can fall into this trap, can't we? We can. We, I fall in this one all the time. All right, maybe I'm the only one that falls in this trap. Any, anyone else honest enough to say sometimes? Okay, all right. Four of us, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Counseling services after the... All right, all right. Every, this happens all the time. You go to someone. You have something to say. You're like, hey, you, here's something you need to know. And they disagree with you. Guess who could be wrong? You could be wrong. And if you're not listening to them, then you're a fool. So what a wise person does is they not only, when someone comes to them with something, they discern, we don't, when you bring something, you listen also because there might be more that you can learn and you don't want to be a fool by just assuming that, that your way is the right way. So you don't want to fall into trap one to assume that everyone who disagrees with you is a fool. 
And then it's equally as easy to fall into trap too, and that is to treat your enemy the way that they treat you. When Bridget loaned me the jerseys, she, uh, she gave me even a better softball than uh, Jimmy Fallon. Take a look at what it says in the back of that jersey right there. What's the name? Christian. Good Minnesota boy too, right? Warroad, Minnesota. I talked to one guy afterwards. He said, hey, it was fun to see those jerseys. I coached those boys. I refed. I refed those boys uh, back in the day. He, he did some refing when they were playing, playing hockey right here in, in Minnesota. So anyway, um, that, where, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Christian. Jesus taught us to not treat our enemies the way they treat us. And in general, in general, we need to get into that protection mode. If you suspect someone has evil intent, even Jesus did this. When Jesus was in several situations and the thing just deteriorated and it turned more into a mob, Jesus just walked away in several situations. But he taught us not, he taught us some other things too. He taught us to love our enemies. He taught us to pray for those who persecute us. So go ahead and protect yourself, but don't set out to destroy another person. If you start to feel that creeping up, which is extremely natural, that's where we need to tap into that supernatural and say, God, I need your help here. When it comes to hope, there's so much hope for a wise person because you just need to talk to a wise person. There's hope for a foolish behaving person if they have enough consequences to, to turn things around. The, the hope for an evil person, the real only hope comes in turning the other cheek. It comes in a kindness that could lead to their repentance. So that's what Jesus teaches us. Go into full-blown protective mode, but at least there's hope for someone to change if we respond differently than that which they're used to seeing. And beyond that, beyond that, here's, here's where my mind goes sometimes on my best days. My mind goes here, what if we all follow Jesus' example? And, and, and instead of looking at the world through us versus them or our own agendas, what if we actually followed his example? I think about if, if some of you have been following that um, legislative battle going on in Arizona. For those who are aware of it, I'll just speak to those of you who have been following it. You know, I think about this. I think about if you got a room, any town hall meeting in any state in our United States, and you sat people down and you said, how many of you think that we as, as, as a country should be attentive to constitutional rights? How many hands would go up in that room? Almost every hand, right? What if in Arizona, what if instead of us versus them, what if they could say, you know what, we're actually all on the same side here, at least most of us. We're on the same side of constitutional rights. How can we attend to civil rights? How can we attend to religious, honoring religious conviction? How can we work together towards both of those things? Can you imagine how different it would be if we didn't see it as us versus them? If we didn't have to get into full protection mode, which you have to in politics. It's, it's sad. Or how about this one? Those on the political right tend to be suspicious of a government that has too much money or too much power. Those on the political left tend to be suspicious of those in the private sector who have too much money or too much power. What if we just look together at history? Does it ever end well? If anybody gets too much power or too much money and there's no accountability, does that ever end well? No! So what if 
instead of looking at it as right versus left, what if people could look at it as, here's the problem. How together can we work towards a solution? We can't expect the world to do this. We can't. They're not, they don't have the same standards. Everyone's got different standards. Do what's right in your own eyes. Decide what truth you're going to, whatever. As Christians, what if we modeled something different? What if when we came together, it wasn't ever us versus them. What if when we came together, it was us? And here's God's standard, and what does that look like for us? How do we do that? How do we bring our dissenting voices together? But we rally around these core things, and we ask for God's help. You know, I, I, I was, had an illustration. Um, boy, this has been a week of softballs. God gave me a great one. I, was, I get up before, you know, um, before it gets light, and, and I was looking out our kitchen window, and there was a star. It was dark, so that star was just so bright, so bright. What happens is the sun starts to come up, you know, not as bright. As our country continues to get more and more polarized, as our country continues to be more and more us versus them, think how we'll shine if we as God's people can bring our differences of opinions under the same roof, say, where's our common ground? Where's our starting point? Oh, what if? I'll tell you what if. We'd start to look like this. This is a, also from the movie Miracle, right? This is from the Czech team. What's the name on the back of this jersey? Holy. Holy. It's a word. Holy is a beautiful word. It just means set apart. It means consecrated. You know, and in the case of Christians, what that would look like is we're becoming more, more like the people that God created us to be. So as we close this series, as we prepare for those who want to come forward to receive uh, from the Lord's table today, can we cut? Consecrate ourselves to that. Maybe in just the little things of hitting pause before we jump to judgment. Maybe of asking for forgiveness. Maybe, Maybe it's coming to God and saying, God, forgive me. You know, I... I've been going my own way. I've been running by my own rules. But today I I come back to you and I ask that you would help me to come back to you fully. Renew my mind. Give me a new heart. Bring to mind the things that where I'm behaving differently than the way you've taught wise people to behave. And then ask for God to give you that strength and to give you those new insights and to replace the junk with something good. And then to recommit, too, to say, hey, I'm gathering around this table, the Lord's table, with others who want this, too. And I want to renew my commitment, God, to being a part of your family. You know, and brothers and sisters, we can duke it out, right? But at the end of the day, the way God designed it, I mean, this is blood. And can we be like that? Can we just say, at the end of the day, we're going to line around the most important things? What if? What if? So let's do that. Let's prepare ourselves. And, and we, if you're not familiar with how we do communion here or what it's about, we wrote a little bit about it on the back of your bullet, and we encourage you to, to read through that. But what we're going to do together is we're going to read through some prayers and some scriptures because you're not the only one. We're all in this together, you know, trying to, trying to sort all this out. And then we'll, we'll um, ask the servers to come forward, and there'll be a station over on that side and a station on this side. And rather than an usher saying, now come forward, we, we ask that you make it a, a personal decision, a conscious decision to, to say, you know, I'm going to come up and I'm gonna go to one of those stations and, and receive, receive communion.
So let's prepare ourselves together. First of all, hear the word of the Lord. This is out of 1 John 1, 8-9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess these sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness for those who receive it as a gift, it is a faithful and just thing because of what Christ accomplished through his death and resurrection. And here's what he accomplished. Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, we believe in our hearts God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We are saved by grace through faith. So let's declare that in the form of of confession and, and prayers to God. So please join me, if you would, in praying these prayers. Heavenly Father, to whom all hearts and minds are open and all desires are known, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may more perfectly love you and more worthily magnify your holy name. We confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which we are about to receive. But say the word, and we will be made clean. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you that your judgments are good. Your judgments are sound. We thank you that you come from a place. Well, thank is the right word. We, We stand in amazement that you come from a place where you know all that can be known. So, Lord, your judgments are right. They are just. And we thank you, Lord, that you don't judge us from a distance, but you stepped into our world. You, you walked as we walk. You breathed the air that we breathe. You faced the things that we faced and more. And Lord, it goes beyond that. You, you know our thoughts before they even cross our lips. The very hairs on our head are numbered. You know us better than we know us. So, Lord, would you speak to us? May your spirit speak to us now as individuals. Bring to mind that which is not in alignment with your good and perfect ways. Help us to leave that here, that we can go forth as new people, filled with your spirit, filled with with a renewed mind, guided by a renewed mind. So take these elements, this bread, this juice, make them for us, your body and blood, to strengthen us, nourish us on this journey ahead. And, Father, now we... We pause to pray a prayer that you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Well, I hope you can join us on Wednesday. It's a different different service. Um, it's a service where it's almost exclusively devoted to, uh, to reflection. So if you're able to come out on Wednesday night, we'd love to see you. We'll be in that room called the community room. It's that first banquet room that you come to. So we hope you can make it to there. But as we go forth in this place, let's go forth with these reminders of what 
has happened in those of us who've turned to Christ. If anyone's who's if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation, the word says. The old is gone, a new life has begun. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sin from us. If you responded at this today or at any point in your life to God's invitation, then on the authority of Scripture I'm able to say that those things are true. So as you go forth, let's go forth with this blessing. It dates all the way back to the time of Moses. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God bless you. Have a great week.